27th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Tao Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. For those folks outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student, and if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. I am going to eventually make an episode that describes that whole journey. It's just a lot of work, and I'm always overwhelmed with this project. Um, there is a written version of that story on a blog that I used to write for called Juliet Jeske Blog. I, got, I really am creative with my names on that one. Um, and that's like, you can find it. It's, I basically call myself a cat lady, which I am, and I describe the whole thing with great detail. It's long, but, but interesting because it's got a lot of crazy twists and turns to that story. So this week, it was intense um, because we are dealing with another... Huh, I wish this wasn't true, but we are dealing with another white nationalist situation over with Tucker Carlson. Now, I had originally planned for a totally different theme with this newsletter, and I said, you know what, let me revisit Monday's monologue. Because that was the main monologue which he addressed the search at Mar-a-Lago. So I rewatched it and went, oh my god, I gotta redo this whole thing. So I did. Uh, because I noticed something that was very troubling, and I couldn't clip it. You did not see this on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, you did not see this on Twitter, because there's no way to put this on Twitter. The story's just not well known enough. There's too many details I'd have to add. It just it wouldn't make a new. It wouldn't make a nice two minute clip. So before I get into it, I'm just going to read the headline and go into the first two paragraphs. Here we go. Fox News. Tucker Carlson responds to the Mar-a-Lago search by defending a white nationalist. A condensed overview of 15 hours of Fox News for the week ending August 21st, 2022. Most Fox viewers last week would think that every major city is being overrun by violent crime while the corrupt FBI and Department of Justice obsess about Donald J. Trump. A Tucker Carlson viewer might lament the plight of a beleaguered internet prankster, never knowing he is actually a white nationalist with neo-Nazi supporters. A Fox News viewer would also have no idea that major climate disasters continue to wreak havoc all over the world. They might also not know that Rudy Giuliani is facing a grand jury for his involvement with a scheme to alter the 2020 presidential election. A Fox devotee may not realize that the Fox Former CFO for Trump Corps, Alan Weisselberg, pleaded guilty to tax fraud charges and has agreed to testify against the company. Now, the top story, which is in the headline, has to do with a white nationalist. This is what Tucker Carlson came up with. I thought for sure he was going to have some complicated web of Hillary Clinton secretly plotting with AOC and maybe a UFO. And I'm not kidding on UFOs because he's like total tinfoil hat now on Fox Nation. His latest a project that he keeps promoting week after week is this uh, silly movie about cattle mutilations. That is like a cow that's been cut up in a field. Yeah, he's doing an entire documentary on that because that's what we need right now. So this is to give a flavor of how Tucker Carlson approached this subject 
of the search on Mar-a-Lago. I'm just going to play the first media clip. These are ultra-classified documents, the most classified kind, just sitting there helpless in boxes like maidens in bikinis waiting to be photographed by terrorists. Leave it to Slacks McGee to sexualize pieces of paper, but that's what he just did. Bikinis. I don't even... What are you... Ugh. Issues, dude. You got issues. Okay, so basically the thrust, pun intended, was that all of the documents that the FBI were looking for were really innocuous and they weren't very sensitive and they were just, you know, not a big deal. Who cares? And he used as an example um, something that was declassified in 2011 that were documents that contained a recipe for disappearing ink from World War One. So he's like, see, they're all like this. And I'm like, well, there's no evidence that Donald J. Trump had anything that old, just that he had things that were highly sensitive and top secret. And maybe included a stuff about nuclear weapons. Ha 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 ha. No biggie. So then he goes from that to these documents are no big deal. Who cares? To pivoting where he calls Joe Scarborough of MSNBC a murderer. Because why not? He, he doesn't give his viewers a lot of detail on that. Just sort of a hit and run. Joe Scarborough, you're a murderer. Ha! Moving on. Okay. And then he brings up this gentleman that he's talked about before and that I've done podcasts on before named Douglas Mackey. Now, Douglas Mackey was basically one of these alt-right, there's a lot of overlap with him and the Proud Boys, quite frankly. Um, with He used a, a moniker online named Ricky Vaughn. Ricky Vaughn's a fictional character played by Charlie Sheen in the film Major League. Ricky Vaughn was wildly popular as... Um, an account on Twitter and various other social media platforms. He kept getting kicked off and he kept just going back on under new IPs, new phones, that kind of thing. He just kept cheating and kept going back on after he get kicked off for hateful content. I saw some of the stuff he posted and it's absolutely horrible. It's like basically Nazi stuff. It's anti-Semitic. It's racist. It's anti-woman. It's just horrible stuff. Now, um, Tucker Carlson describes this man as just a prankster with, you know, and he says something like, oh, he has hateful views. Okay. He doesn't tell you he's an anti-Semite and basically a Nazi. It's funny that Tucker Carlson wouldn't include that information. Now, Douglas Mackey went too far, Ricky Vaughn, however you want to call him, when he made a meme that basically invited Hillary Clinton voters specifically to text their vote to a specific number, claiming that they could vote by phone. 4,900 people did just that. So the FBI and the Department of Justice found evidence on 4,900 unique phone numbers that texted this phony number, phony account, and who knows, these people may have actually thought that they voted by text. It could have been that they were pranking, it's hard to know, but because 4,900 people did this, he got charged. He got lit up. And it's called election interference and, and stealing votes is basically what they called it. Tucker Carlson on his show goes, oh, nobody was harmed. They can't prove that anybody was harmed. This poor man, he was just, you know, he's got hateful views, but hateful views, he's a Nazi. Then I looked this up and the SPLC basically said that all of these prominent Nazis, including Andrew Anglin, National Alliance, which that's just, don't even get me started on National Alliance. That's 
that goes way back. And that group uh, is behind the Turner Diaries, which is behind a number of terrorist attacks. Ah, so a bunch of other extremists gave money via Bitcoin for this man's, uh, Douglas Mackey's, legal defense. So to just pour it on even thicker that this guy's a Nazi, you've got, you know, he's labeled as, as a white nationalist, and you've got a bunch of actual proud neo-Nazis giving him money, and Tucker Carlson defends him, which he's done before. This is a pattern. Now... What is the link, you might ask, between this obscure person you've probably never heard of and the raid at Mar-a-Lago? Here's the clip. So as befitting a criminal of his magnitude, Mackey was handcuffed and hauled before a federal judge in Florida called Bruce Reinhardt. As it turns out, the same magistrate who authorized last week's raid on Mar-a-Lago. Weird. Then Mackey was hauled off to jail. So yes, that is the same judge that signed the search warrant for the FBI to search Mar-a-Lago. And that same judge happens to be Jewish and is being hit with an onslaught of anti-Semitic attacks since all of this came down. And what does Tucker Carlson decide to do? Bring up the poor beleaguered Nazi as a victim of this Jewish judge. Yes, he did that. I can't, I, there's no nice way of putting it. That's what Tucker Carlson did. Tucker could have taken this story in any number of directions, but that's the avenue he chose. This poor beleaguered neo-Nazi who never refers to accurately as a white nationalist, he just says hateful views, is tied to a Jewish judge who's already having his life threatened probably every hour on the hour. Give me a break. So this is how he ends this segment. In a free country, you have an absolute right to say what you think in public, period. Doesn't matter who is offended by what you say. It doesn't matter if people consider your views ugly. Even if every person on the planet finds your opinions horrifying and beyond the pale, you still have the right to express them because you were born with that right. It's inherent. You cannot be sent to prison for your political views, ever. That is the core principle of the United States. So sanctimonious Tucker Carlson, all democracy and liberty and freedom. Okay. Douglas Mackey was not arrested for anything he said or wrote online. He was arrested because he created a trap that tricked 4,900 people into voting for nothing. He took the right to vote away from 4,900 people because chances are at least many of them probably thought on election day, I already voted by phone. I don't need to go to the polls. There you go, buddy. That's how it works. And that's what he was arrested for. And he knows it. Tucker knows it, but he doesn't care. And he also knows that even though most of his fans who watch his show will have no idea who Douglas Mackey is and will simply glaze over for that five and a half minute section during his monologue, they just want to hear about Hunter Biden or whatever that he has an extremist element that does listen to his show and does watch his show. They openly brag about it. And those people will hear him loud and clear. They will know exactly what he's talking about. That dog whistle is a bullhorn to them. And that is disgusting because that judge is already being harassed. And now you've got the most widely viewed show on cable television basically cheering on more harassment. Way to go, Tucker. 
Okay, the last podcast was really funny. <laughs> the last two I thought were funny, and this one is just like... <laughs> okay, this next clip is also kind of depressing, but I liked what I did with it, and it's basically... I encourage anyone to do this. Show, don't tell. If somebody gives you misinformation, just post something that they cannot refute. And that's kind of what I did here. Um, it's Tucker Carlson. This is a series of local news reports after Tucker Carlson. So I'll explain why you're hearing different voices. But that's a Tucker Carlson quote followed by a bunch of local uh, newscasts. Well, here's video from a story that a local television station, Fox 29, is doing tonight about murder in Philadelphia, the state's largest city. You're seeing the pictures on your screen right now. Reporter Chris O'Connell went to a nearby cemetery and asked how things were going. Workers there told him, quote, we can't dig graves fast enough. That's how many young people are being murdered in Philadelphia right now. We can't dig graves fast enough. When was the last time you heard that? You didn't hear it during COVID, the global pandemic that politicians told you was the worst thing ever to happen to America. Sometimes there's three or four trailers backed up to a loading dock, and there might be 150 decedents that you have to look through. Foreign territory for these veteran funeral directors, a hospital's refrigerator trailer parked outside. Refrigeration units. Ever since uh, the out-of-control COVID surge in El Paso began, a sad but steady procession of bodies has been delivered to his funeral home. A grim job in the grimmest of times. While we cannot forget when New York City was in the grips of this pandemic, hospitals and funeral homes were overwhelmed. Bodies were actually piling up. Refrigerated trucks were brought in to store the bodies. Well, now, more than one year later, hundreds of bodies are still sitting in the trucks along the Brooklyn waterfront. And at West Side Crematory near Orlando, they're overwhelmed with the remains of people that need to be cremated. Bodies are stacked to the ceiling, we're told. And a manager at a nearby funeral home says they're having to delay funerals because they don't have enough staff to accommodate the surge. And one of the biggest challenges for funeral homes during the pandemic is manufacturing enough caskets for families. A lot of casket companies are uh, experiencing difficult times uh, maintaining orders and purchases because of the COVID virus. So and as a whole, COVID has changed not only the funeral industry forever, it has changed the world forever. So yeah, basically what I did there is I went on YouTube and I found a bunch of, I, I found so many uh, clips from local news reports uh, that talked about this exact problem that we all had, especially in New York, my goodness. And um, I focused on red states. So that was Texas, Alabama, and Florida. In addition to New York City, I could have gone literally all over the country um, because it was so bad. And I was just really angry. I was fired up when I made that because I live in Brooklyn and I was in Brooklyn during the entire, like the absolute worst months of the pandemic. And it was just pain and death concentrated because when you live in a city with 8.4 million 8.6 million people even though you know you just have we're just stacked on top of each other so the the just the the, the sorrow and the terror was just compounded and there are no words to really describe it if, if you are a new yorker listening to this you know exactly what i'm talking about solidarity we went through it uh it was a very, very difficult time. It was just sirens morning, noon, and night. So I wanted to make that to speak back to this arrogant 
you know, prick in his compound in Maine spewing absolute lies. That's all I have to say. There's no nice way of putting it. That you're just lying when you tell people that their bodies were not stacked up because they most certainly were. Oh my God, I'm getting so worked up on this podcast. I just, oh my God. So this clip by Sarah Longwell, she writes for The Bulwark. She's a Republican strategist. I thought this was just so well put. I don't, this is from PBS NewsHour. I don't normally pull clips from PBS NewsHour, but I do watch it every single week and I do compare it to Fox News. But this this clip got me so excited, I immediately <laughs> clipped it and stuck it on Twitter as soon as I watched it and it blew up. So here you go. And when you run as a Republican candidate, and listen, I think it's very, there's a very narrow path for her to win. I do not think that is likely. And I also think they will go to great lengths to keep her from a debate stage, potentially even to keep her off a ballot. But she is ready to do a kamikaze mission for democracy. And she is going to, if they do that to her, she will continue to make her case. There is no bigger stage to reach Republican voters than running in a GOP primary. And Donald Trump has been able to make other people look small when he's gone against them. I don't think he can make Liz Cheney look small. She will look substantial uh, standing up to him. And I think that she can change minds, if not of tons of Republican voters, then many of the swing voters who will decide the general election. And I think that's the plan. So can you see why that made me very excited? Um, because I just thought it was such a great quote. I'm like, what an image. And uh, somebody got actually offended. I blocked the person immediately over the kamikaze term. It was a right winger. Um, because he was actually like trying to say that she was somehow supporting the Japanese army in World War II. And I just went, oh no. Um, okay, so the American lexicon is flexible and constantly changes. And kamikaze pretty much just means suicide mission at this point. It doesn't mean the actual, literal Japanese plane hitting an aircraft carrier in Pearl Harbor in the 1941. Much like the terms soup Nazi or grammar Nazi. There's flexibility in the language and kamikaze is a great example of that, but not to be too big of a nerd. Still, I thought the image was great. Um, and again, like I don't agree with any of Liz Cheney's politics. But I do have respect for her for doing this. I do have respect for her because life is full of shades of gray. And sometimes you have to align with people that you don't agree with because the bigger, um, the bigger problem is, is so much worse. We, if we lose democracy, it's all over. We can just say goodbye to pretty much everything. So we have to hold on, we have to fight back. And you know, I think it's great that Liz Cheney is going to just keep throwing arrows at, at Donald J. Trump. Why not? Now, this next clip is also kind of silly. And um, I am a longtime listener, even though I wasn't in grad school, because in grad school, I, I didn't do anything but grad school, um, of a podcast that's pretty, it's been around for years. It's very funny, called Pod, Pod Save America. And there's a whole series of, of podcasts that they do. But Pod Save America is the original, and it's four white dudes who look like finance bros who um, are actually all work for Obama, and they're very funny, very smart men, and um, very quick-witted. And they, somebody who works for them named Elijah, I don't really know Elijah, but he apparently found the clip. They talk about it in their last podcast, which was called um, Let Them Eat Crudite. And I'm always way behind on my podcast because of this job. So I was listening to it like several days late and then I heard them and I was like buckled over laughing because they found the clip on TikTok. They put it on Twitter and the, 
And if you haven't seen the Dr. Oz crudite clip yet, it's basically he thought he was making this like fun ad of like, look at me talking about inflation. I'm just like you at a grocery store. And instead he just comes across as like an alien. Like he doesn't do anything right or normal. And number one, my first reaction was, if you're poor, why are you buying fresh vegetables? It's like the last thing you'd buy. Like, hello, you'd be buying pasta and like, you know, uh, processed cheese. That's what I grew up on. So that's pretty funny. But yes, the Pod Save America guys found that and sort of elevated it. And then it completely blew up and Fetterman picked it up and made a response where he's holding the veggie tray and he raised a half a million dollars in one day. Bravo, amazing, kind of accidental, but hilarious. So, and you got to hear the podcast because they go into more detail. And I was, I was literally howling, literally howling. So this was Tucker Carlson sort of complaining, but like, why isn't Dr. Oz doing better? And then he tries to like, try to kind of, and I'll get into it. I'll just play the clip. Last night, we told you the sad and bewildering story of Dr. Oz, a man with absolutely everything going for him, talent, decency, charm, money, name recognition, all the right endorsements who is nevertheless losing by a big margin as a Republican in what should be a Republican wave election to a radical and incompetent Democratic lieutenant governor who's presided over the decline of the state, and who, by the way, also has had a stroke and can no longer speak in complete sentences. That's happening right now. Dr. Oz is getting crushed by a stroke victim who was already crazy. It's bizarre. The question is, why is this happening? We spent some time on the phone the other day calling around to various smart political people to find out why it's happening. We heard a lot of theories, almost all of which boiled down to Dr. Oz is a bad candidate. Mitch McConnell, who's in charge of electing more Republicans to the Senate, gave virtually the same explanation yesterday at a Kentucky Chamber of Commerce lunch. Quote, candidate quality has a lot to do with outcome, he said. In other words, it's not my fault they sent me bad candidates. Okay. But before we accept that, before we accept that a Republican just can't win at a time when Democrats have completely discredited themselves, it's worth pausing and asking exactly what this means. What is a bad candidate? My father taught me how to handle my first gun. I taught my son Oliver how to do the same. I've been shooting and hunting my whole life. So when people say I won't support guns, they're dead wrong. Boom! You may have heard John Fetterman's back in the campaign trail. As a surgeon who's performed thousands of these operations, I know how scary this can be for a patient. I've been praying for him. I'm glad he's okay. Now that he's back, John Fetterman can't keep hiding from voters forever. I mean, Joe Biden hid in his basement. I thought I'd do some grocery shopping. I'm at Wegner's, and uh, my wife wants some vegetables for crudite, right? So, Okay, I was, I was worried those clips wouldn't sound awkward in audio because they're very awkward with video. But they do. He's just a very awkward man. And the other joke about him is that he um, actually lives in New Jersey, not Pennsylvania. And he barely won that primary, too. So he's maybe not the best pick, Donald J. Trump. Maybe not the best pick. Um, Jessica Tarloff also went through this, and I went through this in one of the tweets, of the reason why these candidates are not doing well is because Donald J. Trump likes to pick celebrities and, and people who like are huge fans of him. He doesn't think about, like, who's the best candidate for the state. He just thinks, oh, that person's a celebrity. They'll be great. And the problem is, in a purple state, it's very difficult to pull that off. And so in, like, Arizona, maybe Ohio, that's still kind of a toss-up, um, oh, Georgia and Pennsylvania, all the senatorial candidates are doing very, very badly. 
And that's what Mitch McConnell was talking about when he's, he was saying a quality, poor quality of candidates. It's a, that's a dig to Trump. And then the other thing is that Tucker, in a longer monologue, went on and on and on about how the RNC isn't raising enough money. And I'm like, yeah, because the MAGA idiots are giving their money to Trump. So Trump has plenty of money. And you'd think if he actually cared about his party, he would be giving that money out to people. He's not. He's not. Not really. He's giving them a little bit. But he's got this huge war chest of money, and it's not going to help the party. It's just going to help Trump. So that's very interesting. And I just want to say real quick before I get to the next uh, clip, I don't want to insult the men of Pod Save America when I say they look like finance bros. I live in New York City. If you're a white man who's preppy, you're usually a finance bro. And the joke about finance bros is that I am their kryptonite. Um, when you, <laughs> I've had countless scenarios where I get stuck in a room or some type of scenario with a finance bro. And it's just like, oh man, it never ends well. I was at a wedding once and I was seated next to uh, a finance bro. And within 10 minutes, he started yelling at me. <laughs> and I, and I, I wasn't being mean or I wasn't fighting with him or anything. And I just turned to the table. I'm like, what happened? And they're like, we don't know. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he got drunk and it got worse. But uh, then he was all like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, just get away from me. But yeah, finance bros. Uh, anyway, it's just, you know, preppy white guys with short hair in New York City probably work in Wall Street. Not always, not always, but it tends to be the case here. So, okay, next clip. Where am I going? Oh, there was a lot of crime talk last week. And this was, um, there's a clip I'm going to play for you. Uh, where this is something that's kind of difficult to, difficult to explain, but um, Fox basically blames the 2020 riots on local mayors and governors. They talk about this all the time. It's never Trump's fault. And the current crime wave, of course, is Biden's fault. So basically crime, which is normally more of a local problem, is now suddenly a federal problem. And this quote by Greg Gutfeld pretty much encapsulates this weird confusion. We have to be, we have to start thinking about people instead of boxes of paper. Yeah. And I'm gonna go back to my original point. I wish Merrick Garland was agonizing for weeks over riots yeah. or over smash and grab or over the 10% the, the, the rise Thank in you. rape in, the new, in New York City. Instead, they have to, they are so focused on Trump that that's the only criminal they see. Going back to the A block, that's the only one they care about. I'm not care sure about. what Greg is talking about there with local crimes and the attorney general. Because there's very good reasons why federal law enforcement does not deal with local crimes and vice versa. Um, trust me, the NYPD does not want the FBI coming in to deal with smash and grabs. And what are you talking about with riots? Um, Fox has been saying the summer of rage for months now because they kept saying that, you know, Roe v. Wade would lead to the summer of rage. And so far, the summer of rage has meant a few protests. That's it. There's no riots. So this next clip is uh, Tucker showed a clip that went viral of a group of young people trashing a convenience store. And most of them were black and brown. And what I found Tucker saying about this clip was really heinous. And that's why I included it. This is a much longer clip. I took out all the air in between the general arc of what he was saying to kind of sh prove, lay bare, what his real message was here, which was racist and insidious, in my humble opinion. And that is stealing. Suddenly, there's a huge amount of stealing in the United States. It's everywhere. That's a problem because stealing is a crime, a moral crime. In fact, it's the first crime that most of us learn not to commit as children. Don't steal. 
Don't take what doesn't belong to you. It's immoral, and it certainly is immoral. So without any sort of public referendum, the kind you would have in a democracy, cities around the country have effectively decriminalized stealing. So what's been the effect of this? Well, more stealing. And stealing quickly metastasized into looting and then social collapse. They didn't need new ports to survive. No one starved to in this country anyway because they were greedy and piggish. Their parents never told them not to. And most of all, because they could. So quickly, let's break down what he said there. Okay, Newport's is code. Newport's is code for black people because black people smoke uh, Newport's at a much higher rate than, than white people do. Then he calls them piggish, greedy, and says their parents didn't teach them right, basically. Now, come on. Now, that's just, I am not condoning what these kids did. They look like kids. They look like teenagers or young adults. What they did was awful. I hope someone faces consequences for that because it was, it was heinous. It was bad. However... To, to make an assumption that their parents never told them not to steal is a bit much. Because would you be saying that about a white-collar criminal who stole millions from a um, pension fund? Somehow that's okay. Somehow Jeffrey Skilling gets to stay in Club Fed and pay his way out of prison. He's one of the guys who ripped off pension holders with Enron. He was part of the Enron debacle, fiasco, scam, whatever you want to call it. But somehow, like, that's okay. He just, you know, he screwed up. And there's just something about making broad, sweeping generalizations about an entire group of people like those young people in that clip that I just uh, really disgusted me. Uh, making assumptions that their parents were somehow morally inferior or just had no, didn't instill any rules on their kids. is It's coded what he's saying there, but he's basically saying the entire community is somehow lacking. When, to, to my perspective, it looks like a bunch of young people who came up with a stupid idea and people when they're in a mob, when they're in a group, tend not to think clearly and they do stupid things. And these, these young people did something very dumb and they should face consequences for that. And I hope this is not a trend and it doesn't continue. Uh, I don't agree with what they did, but I'm not going to label all of them as having terrible parents over something like that. It's just... I mean, it, I'm sure it was terrible for the owner, terrible for the, the employees at the place. I, again, I feel bad, but I, th well, he just went way too far with that. So this next clip is um, clutch your pearls. We didn't have, I didn't have a um, bogus expert of the week, so no accordion, but we do have clutch your pearls. It's back. This is a quick one. They've done this before. It's just another variation on a theme. You know, Katie, when he first brought the aviators back, and I'm not saying anything disparaging here, I thought it was because he was still sick. And I felt like, because he gave that speech while he was while he was suffering from COVID. And I thought, well, you know, I get it. You know, it might look dark in the eyes from being sick. Let's do this. But uh, Emily Campagno made a really good statement. We don't wear sunglasses in our business because we need to be able to see, the, the viewer needs to see our eyes. That's how you communicate. He's just putting a, a wall up between him and the viewer. It's almost like maybe that's part of why he can't tell what's happening in America. And that kind of cracked me up because it's like so, like, so deep, so deep. And I, I hated clipping that because I actually like, um, his name is crazy. It's Johnny Joey Jones. That's his actual name. I uh, hate clipping him because I actually kind of like him because even though I don't agree with his politics, he comes across as an incredibly authentic person and he is a veteran who's lost both of his legs and I do have mad respect for that. And so, and he usually doesn't say crazy stuff. And so I was just like, oh, don't make me clip you. I'm clipping you. I clipped you. But um, I just thought it was a funny clip because the whole like, he gets like super deep and I'm like, guys, it's just sunglasses. I just, this is tan suit 2.0. 
just the tan suit. Now, the last clip, the clip we've all been waiting for, the comic relief, I'd love to have one of these every single week, is of Tucker Carlson. Here we go. It's all about spanking. Cheney is America's foremost defender of democracy, but democracy spanked her hard last night. <laughs> democracy is a cruel master. You got to be careful. It can whip around and bite you in the butt. And I hope you beat it. Hope you spank it. They're going to get a spanking and they know it's so savage. And by the way, if they find a meth lab in my basement, that's not real, just so you know. <laughs> just kidding, sort of. So parents in the Ottoman Empire, a lot of them castrated their sons in the hope they would grow up to be the court eunuch, which is a position of real power. There's real benefit to castrating your children in the Ottoman Empire. Well, your testosterone levels plummet, completely emasculated. Thank you. Now, you may not hear it, but there's a very subtle thank you at the end of that. And what happened was I was studying um, Tucker Carlson. I was watching Tucker Carlson for my capstone when I was in grad school. And just to keep my sanity, I have, because I did this with Gavin McInnes of the Proud Boys, I would do the same thing. I had folders that were just for me that I thought were funny. So I'd save funny clips and I'd name the folders like awkward, weirdo, whatever. And that is, a lot of those clips were from my uh, folder called awkward under Tucker Carlson. I also have one now, I keep them for this project and I have one called like Judge Janine Quotes. Um, my favorite is the Ducey file. And cause Ducey um, basically says hilarious things randomly uh, that are very much for the Fox News audience where he'll just be like, you know, remember when we used to play Yahtzee? We'd play Yahtzee and then we'd write a check on paper and you'd actually pay for things with a check. And then the phone, you had to dial it and plug it into the wall. I mean, it's kind of charming. And, you know, even though he works for the devil and he's worked for Fox News forever, I'm sorry, but I do, I mean, it's funny. It's literally called Deucey Quotes. I don't know if I'll ever do anything with it, but it's a bunch of his weird sayings where he'll just go off and say stuff. And I'm like, Deucey Quote, Deucey Quote. And then Judge Jeanine, don't even get me started with her. Oh, so many with Judge Jeanine um, when she throws a pen. Judge Jeanine! See, I'm doing the impressions now at the end. And if somebody was like, thought this would be like a super serious podcast they're like what is this woman doing um my i'll just say my regulars like it when i do voices i'm sorry i'm sorry if this offends you or you think i'm ridiculous um they do they i did it kind of on accident a couple times and they they fed me they fed you know like they gave me a note and i i took the note and said okay i'm gonna keep doing the voices so uh the next section is stories that fox thought was newsworthy that are not newsworthy and there's only one this week it's the Alec Baldwin accidental shooting on the set of the movie Rust. They won't let that story die. I just don't think it's newsworthy anymore. I definitely think there will probably be a civil payout. I doubt there'll be criminal charges. And I used to work in the entertainment industry, so I know a lot about that story. So uh, next section is stories Fox News ignored. Now, every week I compare Fox News to PBS NewsHour. That's 15 hours versus five hours, and yet... PBS always includes a slew of stories that Fox News does not include. First one, Rudy Giuliani faces a grand jury in Georgia for his involvement in the 2020 election meddling. And then we've got Alan Weisselberg pleaded guilty to tax fraud charges. He's the former CFO of Trump Organization. He also agreed to testify against the company. Former Vice President Mike Pence defended the FBI and asked for an end to the threats to the agency. A story that Fox News ignored, then picked up, and now ignored, 
Brittany Griner appeals her sentence in Russia. She's the WNBA player that's being held there on drug charges. China experiencing the worst heat wave in 60 years. There's a massive drought in Germany. There's a heat wave in the northwestern United States. There's also new developments in the presidential election in Kenya. The Palestinian president, Mohammed Abbas, he made a comment about the Holocaust that enraged the German chancellor, Olaf Scholz. Um, he said something to the effect of Israel caused, is committing 50 holocausts. After the outrage, Abbas issued a statement in which he called the Holocaust the most heinous crime in modern human history. It's not a huge story. I'm including it because Fox always ignores everything about Israel-Palestine. They just ignore it. They don't, they never talk about it, no matter what happens there. Okay, next up, China has resumed military drills around Taiwan. Senator Ed Markey, along with other legislators, arrived in Taiwan for an unannounced two-day visit, and China freaked out. 75th anniversary of India's independence from the UK. They had a big celebration, a good for India. The war in Ukraine, lots of developments, and Fox News ignored it. El Sharif El Sheikh, British ISIS member sentenced for deadly kidnapping plot. He was extradited to the U.S. He was found guilty a while ago, but he just was sentenced to eight life sentences for his role in the murder of four U.S. citizens. Another random story was new data showed a increase in highway fatalities. Uh, the NFL suspended player Deshaun Watson for 11 games following sexual misconduct accusations by several women. This one should have been covered on Fox because they talk about the drug problem in this country all the time. Pharmacies in Ohio must pay $650 million in a settlement after a federal jury concluded the chains helped create the public nuisance by oversupplying addictive pain pills. They're appealing it, of course. U.S. government is setting aside 50 doses, 50,000 doses, I'm sorry, of the monkeypox vaccine for upcoming Pride events. Now, this one would be interesting to the Fox News crowd since they tend to be um, older. Some forms of hearing aids are now available without a prescription. I actually think that's great because um, my grandmother needed them. A 16-year-old girl, this story is crazy, uh, in Florida was told by a court that she was too immature to have an abortion, which makes me wonder if they think she's mature to raise a child or give one up for adoption. Completely insane logic on that one. And finally, at the end, we have by the numbers, which are charts, which aren't visual, not audio, but they're nice to look at, they're fun. And then I do, I take all 15 hours, turn them into transcripts, turn all the transcripts into what I call the mega transcript, and then I search for words. Uh, I do this every week. People actually ask about this section, which cracks me up. So uh, this week was pretty normal. It was pretty typical of what you'd think. The interesting one was AOC popped up again for no reason. That's Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Why is she being mentioned? I have no idea. Hunter Biden, and I triple checked this one, was only mentioned twice. What's going on? And then heat wave zero, drought only twice, um, which that should have been a much bigger story. And then the rest is pretty typical. It was not that crazy. Cheney was mentioned 65 times, um, FBI 147 times. Now this week I'm gonna be covering Hannity along with the usual. I wanna thank everybody for listening to this podcast. Your support means the world to me. Please check out my Patreon if you can help out with the podcast. I'm saving up for some better software. Odin and Thor send their love, and I'm coming up with a new podcast about Hillary Clinton, and uh, that's going to be debunking some of their nonsense about her email scandal. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.